0: So as uh, I stand up here and uh, preach, you know, I, I don't see everything that goes on, but I do see things like I'm like, what, what are they joking about over there? It's like, you know, what, there's like a little thing happening there and something's going on over there, you know, and I just try to keep teaching. But one time I was, uh, I was preaching, there was a guy, he doesn't go to this church anymore, so I think it's okay to talk about it. He was sitting like right over there and um, he, uh, he just like, as I was preaching, his head just kind of went back and it went all the way back and then his mouth just opened And then like the whole sermon, I mean, he was just conked out the whole time. I kept looking at him, you know, and I talk a little louder and it it didn't matter. He just kind of kept going. And so, but the funny part was then after I was done preaching, we were both walking out and he was kind of by me and he looked over at me and he went, I was like, "What? What? Like I, I talked in soothing tones so you could sleep the whole time. Make sure you do it that way, right? So, and it's uh, I mean, it's okay to sleep, but just the timing is maybe not the best time to sleep. Have you ever? I know you've never done this, but have you ever like been you know you're lying next to your spouse and they're talking and then like your body twitches? You're like. I've never done that either. I've never fallen asleep while we're talking. That doesn't happen to me, but it's like the wrong time. The problem's not sleeping, it's just, when are you sleeping? And so that's what we're actually talking about. We're looking at these different questions that Jesus asked and we're looking at um, really familiar Bible stories, Bible accounts, and but we're going to zero in on these specific questions that Jesus asked the apostles, and I believe that he would ask us today. That these are powerful questions if we'll consider them and think about well, now what's behind that and what does that mean for our lives today. And so the question we're looking at right now that Jesus brings before his apostles are: Are you still sleeping? Now it happens, this is right before, I mean, Jesus, uh, he's going to be betrayed this very night, early in the morning, and he's going to be crucified the very next day, and so he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and so if you have your Bible, we're going to look at actually different accounts of this uh, in the different Gospels, but we're going to start with Matthew's account, and it's in Matthew 26, verse 36, so if you have your Bible, Matthew 26, 36. And it says, and then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, stay here and keep watch with me, and then he'll get down to the question. We'll ask it in just a little bit while we'll see that there. But we see that this is like the most critical moment in Jesus' ministry. It's the most critical moment for the apostles, and what's happening? They're sleeping through it. Now, I, I just want you to know that you are in a spiritual battle, and that is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Through the most critical moments, he just wants you to sleep through the essential parts, to just kind of back off, fall asleep, and just like kind of see it, let it happen to you. It reminds me of uh, my cousin. He lives, uh, or he lived in uh, Northern California, and when he was in high school, went into his room, took a nap, and it was uh, coming up, I think it was late November, or it must have been December, and as he's in his room, uh, his house, someone broke into his home, and and then they took all the Christmas presents from underneath the tree, and he slept through the whole thing. And he came out, and it was all just gone. Like, what had happened? And I want to tell you, that's exactly what the enemy would like to do in your life right now. He would like to come in and just steal God's blessing and his direction his power, everything, his, just the destiny that God has for you. He would like to come in and just keep you asleep. Just, just You just sleep through what the enemy is going to do. Because you know what? Well, One of the most powerful things, well, one of the things that is most threatening against the work of the enemy is you, the church, being alive and being awake and doing what you were called to do. That's one of the most frustrating things the enemy can encounter because you have the power of the living God within you. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within you to make amazing change. And his best hope to lead more people astray and to take this world and culture to where he wants it to go is for you and I to sleep through it. Now, there's a few real life examples of just like, and I'm not just talking about what's going to happen, I'm talking about like right now. So, for example, Uh, Oftentimes parents, they kind of back off and they fall asleep when their kids are entering middle school, right? It's like one of the most important times to be a parent, but your kid's like a little crazy. And so you're just like, I don't know what to do with them. And, And so you sleep through one of the moments when you need to be there the most. Or, or, how about this? Just like in a broken political system, or just like, oh, every choice is bad, and this is just this is a mess. A lot of us, well, we, we back off, we go to sleep, and we stop voting. And I would just tell you, I think that you know, if God gives you a trust, if He gives you power, it's your responsibility to use it, to step in and to glorify with Him. So, whatever you do, vote. I mean, step into these things that God has given you. Or, or how about this? You have a friend who's gone through pain, or a family member who's gone through loss. And what do so many of us do? Well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. It's awkward. It's weird. And so in the middle of their pain, we just sleep right through it when they need us the very most. Pastor Bill Hybels says it is the responsibility of a pastor to understand what season his church is in. Okay, so if you're in a season of growth or you're a season of, of contraction or, or you're just kind of stagnation, that the, the pastor needs to know so he can lead it appropriately. And I would tell you, I believe it is your responsibility to understand what season your family is in and what season you are in. What season, if you have kids, what season your kids are in. What, what's their season and why? So you can steward it. So the season that God has you and you can lead yourself through it to the things that God wants you to do in the middle of it. It is never time for us to fall asleep. It's time for us to wake up and realize and discern, here I am, Lord, what are you doing? So if we go back to middle school, for example, so what are those kids doing? So I'm on my fourth middle schooler, so I'm starting to get a little bit of experience on this now okay and so as my fourth one goes i understand that what they are doing this season is that they're trying to find out who they are outside of you outside of me and our family right so that's why they like they're so into music because it's a way like i could kind of try on this identity like don't the Taylor Swift identity stop it's not your identity but they have to try it on for a little bit right and then they have to they that's why they're so selfish and self so focused they're trying to figure out who they are that's why they're pack animals and they're always like with their friends you know it's like this group wherever they go especially if you have a middle school girl like here comes the pack there goes there's the pack where's it going so they're trying to figure out who they are and see but this is a time where you must be constant and consistent because they go out and they try it and they need a home base that they could come to and say, okay, all right, now I'm going to try this one. No, that didn't work. I'm not Taylor Swift. Thank God. You're, now I'm going to try this little one, right? Come back here. We'll see. Don't sleep through the critical moments of your life. Wake up and engage. Understand where you are. Discern them so you could steward them. I mean, just ask the Lord. In fact, we can do this right now, right? So let's, just, let's ask God right now to show us what season. Now, if there's a person that you're worried about in your family, let's just ask. Ask God, what season are they in? And then how do I steward it? And maybe it's just for your life. God, what? this is what I did this, this morning. Lord, Lord, what season am I in right now? And how would you want me to steward it? Let's just try it, okay? So just pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, what season am I in? Or you could say, are they in? Lord, I just ask you to show us. Just speak to us right now, God. You talk to us. Okay, now pray this. How do you want me to steward it? Now, some of you, you already know. Like God just talked to you right there. Some of you, he's going to reveal it, but just keep asking and keep seeking until you discern and until you understand. He knows how to speak fluent you. He knows how to get the message through to you, okay? So ask him and he will show you, and then you engage. Do not sleep through this season. It's an essential season. So now we looked at what Matthew had to say about uh, that uh, account. Now let's go over and look at Luke and, and look at his account here at Luke 22, 45, we get some other insights about what's going on. And so in Luke 22:45, it says, "When he rose, so that's Jesus, from prayer, and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow catch that part right there they were exhausted from sorrow why are you sleeping he asked them get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation now we see that one of the reasons I think the primary reasons that the Apostles are sleeping is because they are in a spiritual battle and there's nothing that the enemy wants more than for them to sleep through this time when they need to pray But another reason here is we see they are exhausted from sorrow. I mean, Jesus is talking about like all this death and, you know, like going to suffer. And they're just like, they can see his sadness and they're sad too. And see, one of the things that we have to watch out for is when you are frustrated or you're disappointed or you have failed expectations, it's sometimes just a lot easier to take a nap. It didn't work like I wanted it to work. So I'm just going to sleep. All right, is there a, a game or an activity, a sport that you don't like? Let me. T- I'll tell you why you don't like at it, why you don't like it. You stink at it, that's why. You're no good, right? That's why I don't like golf. I'm horrible at golf, and because every sport I play, I try. That's how I play. That is my only mode, try harder. And that that is the opposite in golf. It makes it worse. Right? And I hate tennis, too. So those two things, I'm, I'm horrible at those two things. Right, and, and so we back off from those things that don't work the way we want it to, d- to work. And there's someone here, I think there's more than one, that you were sleeping through the call of God because it didn't work out the last time you tried. So you engaged and it was disappointing. And so you decided, I'm not that. I can't do that, right? Because it's easier just to sleep than to fail. See, and here's the problem. You thought that the failure was a pronouncement on who you are and what you can do. That's not, that's not at all what that failure was. That failure was the Lord growing you and teaching you, one, how not to do it, and two, who you are when you go forward. God was actually using that. I can't tell you how many times I've failed at different ministries. And every single time, you're like, oh, okay, you get these little nuances and little chains and like, okay, don't do it that way. I know that doesn't work well. Let's try this. And then there's things like, hey, this has always worked and it doesn't work anymore. I guess it's time for me to grow. It's time for me to learn. Does that mean I'm not called? Does that mean I'm not capable? No. It means that I need to grow. I'm so uh, proud of our worship pastor, Eric, and he gave me permission to share this with you. It was A few weeks ago, every Tuesday, we get together and we talk about, okay, how did service go? Where did we miss it? You know, what was God doing and what should we change? And, and so we were having one of those meetings and, and he came forward. And he says, you know what? That song I sang, I didn't sing it very good. And he said, in fact, I don't think I can ever sing that song very good. It's just outside of my range. I'm not going to sing that song anymore. He said, from now on, when we sing that song, I've got plenty of people who can sing. Someone else will do it. And I was like, that, yes, that's exactly right. That's leading with your eyes wide open and just saying, okay, let's take a different strategy here to make this thing work. And, and we've got to take the same thing, open up your eyes and be careful what you pronounce over yourself when it doesn't work. Listen, I have told, I have declared, I am not a pastor. I told my, my last pastor that. Here I am. I've said, I am not a teacher. That's what I got my, uh, my education in. I, I've said, I, you know, I'm just not a leader, Right, And I've tried, I've tried so hard to say I'm not a Broncos fan. But I don't know, I just can't shake it. It's like, Bleh. I have to still like the Broncos. It's so painful and just get over with. Is this nightmare ever going to end, right? And we can't sleep through the reality because we don't like the reality that we're facing. We have to engage, open our eyes. It is time, listen church, it is time for us to keep watch. It is time for us to engage And it was Jesus' charge to them and it's Jesus' charge to us. So let's go back to Matthew and we'll pick up where we left off here in verse 39. And so it says, going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed. And now this is the part that we usually preach in this passage and we should because it's so powerful and it's so beautiful and it's just so amazing. And so where was I? 39, right? And he says, my father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me. And was, Lord, thank you for these words. Yet not as I will, but as you. We need to do a sermon just on that one. You know, that we would just do God's will uh, however he wants, whenever he wants. And then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for an hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body is weak. Now this is pretty profound here, so what does he say to pray for? He says, pray that you don't fall into temptation. This is important. We need to pay attention here when we're talking about being awake. Pray that you don't fall into temptation. It's amazing how subtle temptation usually is. When is the last time that you woke up and you said, you know what, tomorrow, I'll just go out and disobey God. Let's just do the opposite of whatever God says tomorrow. No, it never works that way, does it? It's always subtle and it's always small and, and you're slowly lulled away into the temptation. It's like um, the Jungle Book with little Mowgli there and that snake. And then I, I think he's also in the Robin Hood movie, you know, that snake like, kind of looks into his eyes and he's all, trust in me, trust than me and then you know Mowgli's like uh, and he's falling asleep and as he's falling asleep the coils are going around his body listen that's exactly what the enemy wants to do with temptation just to lull you to sleep why so he can eat you seriously so he can destroy you and it's just like the frog in the kettle you know you put you put the frog in there Ah, oh, this is nice I gonna. I might take a nap in this water here and then you wake up and it's too late you're boiling And this is the message for you and the message for me. I think this is the message for the church. Listen, wake up. Wake up. Wake up to temptation. Wake up to what's going on around you. Listen, temptation is life or death. It is not a game. Sin will always bring fracture and death and distance and confusion. And look at our world right now. What do you see? Distance and fracture and confusion. Why? Because they are giving into temptation. And yes, you have a right to be concerned about our nation and a right to be concerned about our culture. But look where Jesus has the apostles' focus. He doesn't say, now pray that the Pharisees will play nice and be kind and quit being so mean to me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, pray that Herod and Caesar, that they would just quit being so horrible in their leadership and they would turn to me and that they would change all of Rome and the empire here. He says, pray that you don't get sucked in to what they're doing. Pray that you stay clean because you put a white glove on and you flop it around in the mud, the mud doesn't get glovey, does it? There you go. So we've gotta be careful, we've gotta be aware. Open your eyes. Open your eyes to your personal compromise. Because when you fall into it and you remain into it, you, you, can, you become completely ineffective. And there is no room right now in this time and place, there is no more room for us to look at those things in our life and say, oh, it's just, it's just a little sin. It's not one of the big ones. It's one of those harmless ones it's a better sin listen I think the little ones are worse because the big ones you do the big ones and it blows everything up you're like whoa. the little ones you can persist in and as you persist they work their way through your soul they work their way through your spirit they work your way through your family they affect everyone and you start to become them because you persist in them and just because it's everywhere doesn't mean it doesn't affect you or it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter you look at uh, Lot and his daughters okay so they come out of Sodom and Gomorrah and Sodom and Gomorrah is a, just a sinful mess right but then after they're out of there they escape his daughters do some really weird things some very deviant things and you have to believe that they were just influenced they were asleep to the culture that was around them and that was just like kind of normal that's kind of what people did back then it doesn't make it right, and it doesn't make it good. There's three aspects of sleep, and this is real sleep and it's spiritual sleep. The first one is you don't know you're sleeping until you wake up. Just last night, I told Gina, I said I can't sleep, and she said, "Well, you were just snoring." Uh, I was like, "Oh, I guess I can sleep." I thought I wasn't sleeping. I didn't even know, right? So you don't you don't know you're sleeping until you wake up. That's it. Spiritually, you don't know you're until you're like, "Oh my gosh." What was I thinking? What was I doing? Here's the second thing, is you do things in your sleep that you wouldn't do when you're awake. Anybody ever wake up and just say, oh, Lord, thank you, that was a dream. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't preach that whole sermon in a cape and in my underwear. (laughs) Bless you, God, right? Because you do things in your sleep that you're not going to do when you're awake. And when you're asleep in temptation and when you're just kind of pulled away, you're like, what have I done? What am I doing here? And here's the third thing. No one likes the alarm. No one likes an alarm, but we all need it. In church, let this be an alarm. Now is the time, right now, it is time not to be lulled to sleep by the little sins in your life. It is not time to be lulled away by what culture is doing. It is time for us to open up our eyes and to be ruthless with the temptation in our lives, to be ruthless with sin. Now is the time to wake up and press into holiness, and it is time to be ready, and it is time to be on the watch in our lives. Wake up. Church, we have to wake up. Let's look at verse 41. Look at it again, he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I love this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh or the body is weak. Now, what does our flesh want? You know that there's a power in you, there, there, there's a, a power of sin, that you're, it's called the flesh, and it's actually pulling and warring against your spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of you. And you know what your flesh wants? Your flesh wants comfort, it wants ease, and it just wants to kind of go with the flow. That's what your flesh is crying out for. Do you know what your spirit wants? It wants transformation, it wants change, it wants growth. And see, your flesh wants to enjoy the world, and your spirit wants to change the world. But we don't move by the flesh. We move by the spirit. And it's time to be awake to the full spiritual realities that are going on around us, that we need to call evil evil, and we need to call good good. And Paul talks a little bit about this. We go over to 1 Corinthians 2. You can see he talks about the spiritual man and he talks about these things that are pouring, pulling and warring on us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, says, we, you and I, we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So here's the good news, that if you are in Jesus, you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. You have what it takes. You have the one who can show you what's going on you're you're not defenseless in this you're not just a victim in the middle of this because he is in you that we may understand what god has freely given us this is what we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom but in words taught by the spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words the man without the spirit does not accept these things that come from the spirit of god for their foolishness to him he can't understand them because they are spiritually discerned that's so important get this the spiritual man makes judgments about all things now if there is one rule if there is one law of our culture right now it is do not judge right don't judge me but did you see that actually scripture doesn't say that now we don't condemn people we don't push people off to judgment We don't say, oh, they're hopeless, right? We don't say we're better than anyone else. Well, they're just that, we're this. No, but it actually says that you, with the Spirit of God in you, you are supposed to make judgments about all things. That actually, this is what a follower of Jesus does, is that we say, that's good, that's bad. That actually, you're supposed to do that. Now, we don't say those people are bad or those people are less, right? But we say what they are doing is wrong. And I'm not going to do that. That we actually are called to make judgments. We are not, you know, Scripture says, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. I got it backwards, but that's what it said. That we are to judge, we are to discern. Spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Why? Because we are in Christ. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And I love this. This is why you can do it. This is why you can be successful at it. This is why you can be loving and compassionate and kind as you make those decisions, as you understand and make those decisions, because we have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of God, we look at it like he does. And so we need to wake up to the spiritual battle of, Lord, let me see this like you see it. Do you know that there's a war within you? That your spirit and your flesh are tugging at one another. And the question, see the enemy is saying, go with the flesh and the spirit is saying, no, go with life, go with truth, go with what I have. And there's a real easy way to discern, okay, is this of God or is this of the enemy? Is this of my spirit? And it's simply this, the fruit of the spirit. If you don't have Galatians 5.22 memorized, I'd like to ask you to write that down, Galatians 5.22, and I wanna encourage you to memorize the fruit of the spirit. So you can say, ah, I know this is of God because this is what the spirit brings. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. These are the things that we want to move in. These are the things that help us say, okay, we're going to go with the flesh or we're going to go with the spirit because this is what the spirit will yield and bring in our life. So, for example, the world is full of fear, right? So what do we move in? Love. Love is the first one. Okay, the, the world is fear, full of despair, Oh, there's no hope. What are we full of? Joy. Love, joy, peace is next one. The world is full of anxiety and irritation and just, oh, and what are we full of? Peace. The world is restless and it's full, it wants to control everything and it's mad about everything. But what are we full of? Patience. See, if we're walking in the Spirit, we can be patient, we can be peaceful. The world is selfish. What are we? We're kind. The world is full of evil and sin, but the spirit, no, brings goodness. The world is disobedient, it's doing what it wants to do, but what are we? We are faithful, full of faithfulness. The world is harsh, we're full of gentleness. The world is rash, knee-jerk reactions, overreactions. What are we full of? Self-control. You want a good battle plan? Look at Galatians 5.22. You want to see if you're moving by the spirit look at that passage see what the spirit yields see what the spirit brings make the decision that goes in line with the spirit and we need to wake up for the spiritual battle right now listen there is a spiritual battle for our children right now it is not just hard it is hard out there listen but there is an assault from the enemy against our kids do you know why because they are a chosen generation that God is going to use powerfully, and the enemy wants to do anything he can to kill that, destroy it, and take it away. And you and I need to wake up to that fact, and we need to fight for our kids. We need to pray for our kids. We need to engage with our kids. We need to show them how to navigate this with the spiritual man and the spiritual woman, and not just like, well, these are good choices and bad choices. And we need to wake up to the spiritual reality that there's a battle for your home, and there's a battle for your marriage, and there's a battle for your family, and there's a battle for your relationships and friendships, and there's a battle for your own integrity of what kind of person are you gonna be. Wake up to the spiritual battle in your thoughts and in your heart. You gotta impress this on me last night is that that I don't know if it's true for this service, but it probably is that there's a number of us here who, who will have thoughts about suicide not that you're going to actually do it but you just kind of play with it a little bit i want to tell you that's a spiritual battle that's the enemy don't agree with that don't entertain that and as these thoughts come are just like unhealthy arguments you ever have those thoughts like here's a big this is how i'm going to get them what are you doing why would you partner with the enemy in your thoughts or different encounters and fantasies that you come up, we come up with in our minds. Listen, no, we, we cast those down. We make them obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. In your thoughts, it's part of the spiritual battle. Wake up. Don't agree with these things. Don't play with these things. And quit looking for worldly answers to these spiritual problems. It is time now for us to pray. Time for us to live and put on the armor of God. It's time for us to draw near to him in his presence, to praise, to seek, to listen, to obey. We'll pick up in our passage here in Matthew, verse 42. When he went away a second time and prayed, my father, now he just, he's so good, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away one more time and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And I want you to understand that if you are asleep or you are not asleep, it is coming. The battle is coming. Temptation is coming. Resistance and change from the outside is coming. Massive opportunity in the kingdom of God is coming. Harvest and power in God's grace is coming. And I wanna be awake. I wanna be ready as it comes. Now look over at uh, what the Gospel of Mark, I just wanna show one other thing that we find uh, that uh, only Mark describes here. And it's Mark 14, verse 40. So again, talking about the same uh, account, the same thing that happened in verse 40, he says, now when he came back, when Jesus came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And catch this, this no one else says this except uh, Mark here. They did not know what to say to him. He comes back and they don't, they don't know what to say returning the third time he said are you still sleeping and resting enough the hours come look the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners rise let us go here comes my betrayer see because the last thing that i want to happen when i go and see jesus you know if i die before he returns or when he returns the last thing that i want to say to him is hey well you know what did you do why didn't you do that to say i don't know i want to know what to say you know, like, it's like your kid. Why did you poke the leather couch with that steak knife? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Like, well, why did you do it? I don't know. Right? And we, we Jesus returns, like, I don't know. Why were you sleeping when your kids needed you to engage? I don't know. When the church needed leadership, needed you to step up, needed you to minister to the kids or to this, why, why are you sleeping on? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer you. When your spouse or your friend was in pain and you just kind of forgot about it. Where, where were you? I put you there. I, I, I don't know. When the temptation came and I wanted you to minister to people caught in those temptations. Where were you? I, I don't know. Church, why are you sleeping? I don't know. What would have happened if they would have stayed awake? What would happen if the apostles were just like, okay, let's engage the battle. Let's fight, let's be who we're supposed to be. Now listen, Jesus still would have been crucified, and he still would have been raised victoriously. Same events, but here's what would have been different. They wouldn't have faltered. They wouldn't have sinned. If they would have engaged prayer, if they would have opened up their eyes, they would have remembered as they prayed. You know what, Jesus said this was gonna happen. And I remember he said on the third day, he's going to rise again. So instead of going and just getting their tails kicked, instead of going forward with all this drudgery, they would have gone through with expectation. Like, here it's coming, guys. He said he had to do this. We're just about to win. Instead of fear and hiding, they would have gone through it just excited and bringing other people into it with deliverance, experiencing it even before it happened with anticipation of the resurrection. Benjamin Franklin, he says, before marriage, Look at one another with your eyes wide open. After marriage, look at each other with your eyes half shut. It is time for us to open our eyes. The marriage is coming. We're going to be with Him. And listen, you're going to walk through what you're going to walk through. We're going to walk through what we're going to walk through. But let's walk through it fully awake. Let's walk through it with spiritual insight and discernment and understanding so we can steward the times that are given to us. Let's walk through it awake, church. Let's wake up so we walk through with anticipation. We walk through alive, that we walk through victorious. It is time, church, for us to wake up. And He has called us into glorious light. He has called us into power. He has called us into victory, but you're not gonna find it if you're asleep. So, Lord God, I pray that you would wake us up. Lord, in Jesus' name, show us, Lord. Wake us up to the temptation, to the way that we have just taken culture into our lives. And it's everywhere, Lord, but that doesn't mean it needs to be in us. Lord, wake us up to the battle that our family is in. Wake us up to the battle that's in our own minds, Lord. I pray that you would give us understanding and discernment, Lord, that we can judge what is right, we can judge what is wrong, Lord, and that we walk in your way, regardless of what anyone else does. And I thank you, Lord, as you wake us up, that you're waking us up to power, and you're waking us up to victory, and Lord, you are waking us up to life, and Lord, we are ready to wake up in Jesus' name. Amen.